Hey there, this is Harriet. Come on in, y'all. It is early. Let's get started. Let's get started. I am so thankful for all of you every single day. I pray for you daily. I'm so thankful to all of you who call in and leave me beautiful, encouraging messages on Anchor. Uh, my sweet, dear young lady and sister from London, I love you very much. All of you who are listening in in Washington uh, State, Washington, D.C., those of you in Russia, I love you. Africa, the United States, all of my sisters in the United States, I love y'all so much. And I don't take a moment for granted that you, you, you take the time and you listen to these podcasts and you tune in. Let us all continue to pray for one another. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of biblical meditation. Biblical meditation. And if you get some time, I want to encourage you to visit Joshua 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. So today we're going to talk about biblical meditation. And um, this comes from In Touch Daily Readings for Devoted Living from Dr. Charles Stanley. Let's go ahead and get started now. Um, if you stay tuned in until the end, I have a really good um, 88 conversation starters from Christian art gifts that I want to share with you. Just one, not 88, but just one. I wanted to share with you and maybe you can apply it and use it within your own household. But in the meantime, we're going to start with biblical meditation, meditation. If you're facing a difficult situation, it may be tempting to immediately consult friends, professionals, or the latest book or article relating to the subject. Although none of these choices are bad in themselves, there is a greater source for guidance and assurance than any of these. And that's God's word. When Joshua took over the leadership of Israel after Moses' death, he didn't form a committee or read up on current leadership strategies. Instead, he relied on the instructions and assurances God gave him. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Joshua 1 and 7. Implicit in his command is the obvious truth that we must read the Bible if we want to know what God would have us to do. Then we must be careful to obey whatever it says without trying to alter it, soften it, or make excuse, excuses for partial obedience. <laughs> the Lord also told Joshua not to let God's word depart from his mouth, but to meditate on it day and night. Verse 8. Since our minds are easily distracted and often forgetful, we need more than a quick and perfunctory reading of scripture. The best approach is to ask God to help us understand what he's saying in his word and then take time to think about it. Biblical meditation isn't an emptying of our mind, but rather a filling of it with God's word. As we reflect upon scriptural truths, we gain a greater understanding 
of our father's ways and desires. So we'll know how to proceed according to his will. God is so good. God is so good. Let us look at some methods of meditation on scripture. And this is a summary of the methods of meditation on scripture taught by Don Whitney. And you can find these methods of meditation on scripture at www.biblicalspirituality.org. And this, I found this information from the thankfulhomemaker.com. So you can visit that website and she has a lot of really good information and guidance when it comes to prioritizing your relationship with Jesus Christ and meditating on the word of God. So let's talk about the how, the methods of meditation on scripture, according to Don Whitney. Okay, the first thing that it says is, we are to begin by selecting a passage for meditation from your time of reading God's word. And we all know that the word of God is the Bible. We are to choose a verse or phrase that attracts your attention or a theme verse or key verse from the passage. Just as we were reading from Dr. Stanley's biblical meditation, he has Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine as a passage to read. So you could select uh, one of those verses or many. The next thing we are to do is to emphasize the different words in the text. You know, whatever he says to you, do it, John 2 and 5. And whatever he says to you, do it. So pretty much what you're going to do is look at the scripture and, and, and ask yourself, what is it that the word is requiring of me to do? And the next step is to practice it. And I talk about practice all the time. Uh, if you look at any of my courses, I always address the why and how, how to apply it. The next thing is, and this takes a little bit of time, but it, it, it makes you feel really good if you have a notebook and when you sit down and you study your scripture and you write down the scripture and you see that you're collecting these scriptures over time and you can reference your tablet. But the next thing is to rewrite the verse of scripture in your own words. What, what does that scripture mean to you? How, how is that scripture speaking to you? The next thing is to formulate a principle from the text. What does it teach? What do you need to learn? What is that scripture teaching you? And the next thing is to think of an illustration of the text. What pictures explains it? Sometimes there will be pictures if depending on what type of Christian article you're reading. Next, ask how the text points to the law or the gospel. Okay. Ask how the text points to something about Jesus. Ask what question is answered or problem is solved by the text. Pray through the text, memorize the text and create an artistic expression of the text, a song, poem, or sketch. If you want, ask the Philippians four and eight questions of the text. What is true or what truth does it exemplify? What is honorable about it? What is right about it? What is pure or how does it exemplify purity? 
what is lovely about it, what is admirable or commendable about it, what is excellent about it, and what is praiseworthy about it. Ask the Joseph Hall questions of the text. What is it? Define or describe what it is. What are its divisions or parts? What causes it? What does it cause? Its fruits and effects. What is its place, location, or use? What are its qualities and attachments? What is contrary, contradictory, or different to it? What compares? What its titles or names? What are the testimonies or examples of scripture about it? We're almost done, ladies. I just want to break it down just a little bit more. This is Methods of Meditation on Scripture. Set and discover a minimum number of insights from the text. And it's good to do this, uh, set the number in advance. Find a link or common thread between all the chapters or paragraphs you've read and ask how the text speaks to your current issue or question. Use meditation mapping. Put the verse, phrase, word, or topic to be meditated upon in the middle of the page. When possible, this should be done in a picture form. So you can uh, create a circle and then in the middle of the circle, you can have your phrase, your the word or your topic to be meditated on. And then you can draw lines from the circle and allow insights, ideas and thoughts to come to you quickly and freely. Use keywords, connect your keywords, use as few words per line as possible and print all the words for easier reading. And you can use your color pencils or symbols or whatever you feel comfortable doing. And you can also see uh, Buzan Tony, the mind map book. And it's a reference uh, from Mind Mapping New York by Wyckoff Joyce. So I know that was a lot of information. I know it was. And I appreciate you for staying tuned in, especially right now, because this was a lot of information. But for those of you who are really committed and trying to live a holy life. It's a process and you have to learn how to appreciate the process. We're all learning about the word of God. We're all growing in the word of God. And the only way that we can grow is that we spend time with God every day. We've got to read the word of God. And, and you may not, you may not quite feel like, you know, Hey, I don't know a lot about the word of God, you know, and, and, and sometimes I get discouraged, but the more you read your Bible and you meditate on the word of God, the easier it will become for you to sit down and just focus for five minutes, focus for 10 minutes. And before you know it, it's second nature to you to sit down and read your word and to pray. These are just strategies that you can use. And if you uh, join the Hurt North community, you will be amongst other women. You will be able to collaborate with other women about certain things that you may be learning as you meditate on the word of God. And it's just it's just a privilege to be able to sit down and go to the Lord and to spend time with him. And sometimes we take that for granted until something happens. So, ladies, I want to encourage you to continue to meditate on scripture that's the only way that we're going to grow. I know sometimes I, I read you definitions from the Webster's Dictionary 
because I, I like to be able to explain what things mean and their context, whether it's a verb or noun or whatever the case is. But God's God's word is truly our compass. You should be using the word of God as your biblical compass in life. And remember that when all else fails, you can always go to the word of God and ask him to speak to you. You can ask him, Lord, lead me to the right place. Lead me to the right book so that I can find what I'm looking for. And you will find it. I promise you, you will find it. I've been on this Christian journey for a long time and God has not failed me yet. Sometimes his answer is yes and sometimes it's no, but in the end, it always works out for my good. We've got to stay with the Lord, ladies. And I want to encourage you to continue to meditate on the word of God and and in it, you will find peace. You will find hope. You will find a place of refuge. There were some there were times when I, I, I really couldn't even trust God because I was like I was so I was in so much despair and, and, and I was so accustomed to seeing somebody having somebody to talk to be able to be able to go to somebody for advice. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but sometimes you've got to connect with you've got to connect with the Holy Spirit. And it's always best to connect with God first. Because sometimes the people that you think will be there for you won't. Because they're going through things too. God bless you. I'm going to go ahead and give you what I promised you. And this is a number 20 from the 88 conversation starters for husbands and wives. And I'm going to read both sides. And I got this from the, I use this for date night sometimes. I got it from Christian Art Gifts. And y'all, I bought it from Walmart. You can find almost anything in Walmart, honey. So I'm going to read to you on the back what it says about 88 great conversation starters for husbands and wives. Enhance your relationship with your spouse with these 88 conversation starters for couples. A great resource to create intimacy and build a strong marriage. Get the conversation flowing and learn more about your partner's hopes, worries, dreams, and joys with this fun resource. So let's look at number 19. I'm going to give you two actually because because I'm feeling generous today. Okay, number 19. Describe your dream house and where it would be. Hmm. So that's what you can ask your spouse, ladies. You can ask them, describe your dream house and where it would be. You can ask them this on date night. Okay. All right. Okay, that's number 19. Number 20, outside of your own family, what adult had the most influence in your life as a teenager? Okay, that's number 20. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast today. I want to thank you for listening, encourage you to continue or start your biblical meditation. I hope those tools help. God bless you and happy Saturday.